Matthew Shepard, Brandon Tina. These are names that we have heard before. These people were senselessly killed because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. But what about the ones that we do not hear about? Countless indigenous people are murdered and their stories are never told. It is even worse for indigenous people of the LGBTQA plus community. Wait a minute. You're doing an indigenous people's report as well? I guess so. Well, so am I. Wow. A recent discovery of a mass grave of over 215 children was discovered in British Columbia. I'm going to tell you about the deep, dark history of these residential Indian schools of Canada. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we miss that? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of How Do We Miss That? I'm Christine. And I'm John. It's kind of cool we're doing sort of the same thing to this week tonight, is what I was going to say, but this week. Yeah, it is. It, mine has nothing to do with the uh, Pride or the LGB, I, I screw it up all the time, the community. Right. But it has to do with indigenous peoples. Do you mind if I make a detour and make an announcement real quick? No, I would love to hear your announcement. I was thinking while I was driving today through Boston about this show and the research that at least I have done. And I wasn't a true crime fan or junkie as much as you were. I really love how this show has caused me to read more, research more, and study these things that come across the news or that are just out there that I personally have missed and hopefully other people have too. So I wanted to say thank you to you and thank you to the listeners that have are 15,000 strong now in downloads that have really given me an opportunity just to learn and read and find out about these really interesting and cool things. So thanks, everybody. Oh, I appreciate you're it. You're welcome. I'm glad I could bring someone else over to the dark side. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, thank you all. And yeah, 15,000 downloads. Amazing. I know. Pretty cool. Not even a year into this. So thanks, everyone. Yeah. Good thank stuff. You. I thought you had an update for us. That's what I thought you were going to talk about. Well, I do. Okay. Would you like me to go into that now? Yes, do it. So a few episodes ago, we talked about Molly Bish. We who, did. Uh, was kidnapped and murdered in 2000. Well, fresh off the presses today, authorities have named a person of interest. Finally. Finally. Francis Frank Sumner Sr. was named a person of interest in the murder of Bish just a couple days ago, or probably yesterday, and the story just came out today. The Worcester County District Attorney's Office says Sumner died in 2016, but is being investigated in the 2000 murder of Bish. Amazing. They got every they got information. Every tip has to be verified. The tip was verified and it was verified and corroborated. So investigators got more information that led them to this point where we are today. And they believe he is the primary suspect and person of interest because in. Let me get the date right. In 1981, he raped and killed. Or ki- I'm sorry, kidnapped and raped a 21 year old woman who went to his business which was a car repair shop to get their car fixed. Mm -hmm. 
we should post the pictures from this article that I shared with you. He looks similar to the guy with the cigarette, um, you know, albeit much older and thinner. But, Obviously, um, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he's dead, but the Bish family is very excited to just get some kind of hopeful oh, closure. They've I been know. praying for it. They've been putting the information out there for 16 years now. So they're really hoping for something and hoping this is it. Even though he's dead, even though they're not going to be able to... At least you know, you know it's answers. Right. They're not going to get a conviction and see him go to prison or anything, but that closure must just be a huge weight. I you know, can't I, imagine. I can't, I can't imagine either. So that's yeah. your update on Molly Bish. Amazing. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, I purposely chose this story today because, yes, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everyone. And I know that these stories do not get told as prevalently as other stories because not only is the LGBTQ community a minority, there are stories that people don't want to tell because they're, you know, not mainstream, normal. I don't want to say normal. Normal's not right, but you know what I mean? Yeah. People, unfortunately, are still a little weirded out by it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But the story that I picked today not only has an element of the LGBT community because it is a transgendered person, mm-hmm. but this person is also a person of color as well, mm-hmm. um, an indigenous person. So I thought this was really interesting. And I had never heard of this before. And I think we totally should have heard of this before. So I'm going to tell the story. And you think we haven't because of those factors primarily? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, good for you for exposing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I kind of mentioned in the beginning, um, I mean, we've heard about Matthew Shepard. We've heard about Brandon Tina. These Mm -hmm. are both people that were senselessly completely beaten up and battered and tortured just because of their sexual orientation. Yeah. And uh, this story that I'm about to tell you parallels those, but it wasn't in the media. It wasn't prevalent. wasn't anything we all talked about. Yeah. So anyway. Interesting. Yeah. So this is the story of the murder of Fred Martinez. Um, the sources that I used for the story are wikia.org, the Denver Post, and a video from the UCLA Film and Television Archives entitled In the Life, The Murder of Fred Martinez. So 16-year-old Fred Martinez was very outspoken and loved life. Friends and family say that no matter what she was doing, she was always having fun and really enjoyed being social and had many friends. Fred was part of the Navajo population in Colorado, but not just that, she identified with something called two-spirit. This person is someone who sees the world through the eyes of both genders. She believed that God blessed her with both a male and a female spirit. But all of that changed on June 16th, 2001. On this day, Fred went to a rodeo that was taking place in her hometown of Cortez, Colorado. Fred's life in Cortez had not always been easy, but she was determined to live the way she wanted and to be herself. She had come out very early and her high school wasn't really equipped to handle her different personality. They often sent her home for wearing, quote, girls shoes or eyeliner to school, which, I don't know, that doesn't seem that weird to me, but okay. Yeah, what year is this? 2001. Oh, yeah, that's that's not weird. No, then. Like all the emo guys wear eyeliner. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> punk rockers, it's, uh, I mean, it's called guy liner, but still. Still, but anyway, thing. so the interviewee that I was listening to talking about the, quote, girl's shoes, mm-hmm. 
was saying that she came to school in jellies. And I don't know if you know what those are. Of course. I don't know. Some people don't. I'm in touch. Okay. Okay. I got well, it. for those who don't, they're like a sandal yeah. that like actually little girls usually wear. Yeah. Not, they look like women gel. don't usually wear them. Right. But they're usually like a clear plastic. Mm-hmm. And they are very uncomfortable. They are sweaty and your feet slide around in them. It's a good idea, but poor execution. And, right. <laughs> and if you like step the wrong way to like pinch your skin because Ugh. of the plastic doesn't really bend very well. Yeah. So I don't know why she chose to wear those, but she did. Um, maybe they sent her home because they saw how uncomfortable she was. I don't know. Can I add a quick note about that? Yes. I worked with someone and I don't remember where it was at. That doesn't matter. But somewhere in that time frame that would wear the women's uniform and mm-hmm. same thing. He got sent home. He got in trouble for not wearing the right clothes. And it's like I worked for a pretty progressive company that I think this was where this occurred. And, you know, they were just behind the times, I guess. Now it's much better. But, uh, you know, yeah, like disciplining people because they're trying to feel comfortable in their own skin and wear the right clothes. Right. And like you said, this person got sent home from school. I mean, it's such right. a, it's obviously not the right way to handle this. Obviously. Yeah, but I, I think in like 2001, people just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There definitely wasn't as much um, awareness. No, of course not. As yeah. we have now. Yeah. Which is good. Actually, I'm glad I'm, we're progressing in the right direction. I completely agree. Backwards. Yeah. So that's good. Well, she would get yelled at on the street while walking with her friends or picked on by others in the community, not only because she was gay or transgendered, but also because racism ran rampant in this border town. So this town of Cortez, Colorado, is right on the border of a Navajo reservation. So the people in Cortez and the Navajo people kind of butt heads a little bit. I I think probably more of the townspeople issue, (laughs) but... Yeah. So that day actually began like any other. She went home first to get something, then told her mother she loved her, and then she left, walking out the door for the very last time. It was five days later that Fred's partially decomposed body was found in a canyon off a dirt road. She had been bludgeoned to death with a rock. Our stories are colliding. That's how my uh, victim was killed last week. Yeah. Danny. Right. Yeah. Popular way of killing people, I guess, out in the Ugh, woods. Awful. Well, I mean. Grab any hard object and go to it. Right. Like I mentioned last week, it's obviously like a, an opportunity, a crime of opportunity. It wasn't something that you premeditated. Yeah. And, and you like just I just kind of grab whatever you have around you, unfortunately. So. Yeah. And as mentioned last week, probably one of the worst ways to die, at least for this guy. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't, no way. It, it, you can't. It can't be one blow. No, it's not hard enough. After that initial one, that pain and feeling just must be nauseating. I mean, oh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. Well, luckily, it didn't take long for the police to narrow in on the suspect. Fabulous! I'm glad about that. Yeah. Um, 18 year old Sean Murphy was arrested based on tips from others that told police he was bragging about beating up a gay person. (sighs) Unbelievable. It turns out that Murphy and a friend of his had given a ride to Fred after the carnival and after dropping her off the two friends started talking and Murphy found out about Fred's sexual orientation at that point based on Murphy's own testimony he had been drinking when he decided to leave the apartment to find Martinez he then crushed her skull with a rock and left her in the canyon that the locals call the pits Mm. that sounds like the pits yeah literally he claims to have not known that he had actually killed her at that point 
but he didn't call for help or attempt to do anything to help her. So it doesn't really matter. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like clearly you, you, it's just like the, you didn't try to fix what you did. Yeah. So. It's just like my knucklehead from last week. I don't care if you know that you killed them. You still like bludgeon them and then push yeah. them into a pit or in last week's case, a river. Like that's right. still wrong <laughs> whether right. they're dead or not. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, whether you killed the person or not is not still doesn't make it right i love it when these criminals say well i didn't think i did that or i didn't mean to do that it doesn't matter hitting someone with a rock in the head still bad right (laughs) well he then returned to his friends completely covered in blood so not the smartest uh no tool in the shed police actually failed to contact her mother until june 25th and she had to read the details of her child's murder in the newspaper oh Luckily, the local chapters of GLAD, which is Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders, Mm -hmm. and PFLAG, which is Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, supported the Martinez family and made sure that the news outlets and media got the whole story and accurate facts, as well as helping them navigate the legal system. Mm. Because in this situation, most people don't know what to do. Like, how do you go against the police force? You know, and they obviously did the wrong thing here. They didn't inform people. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They took way too long to tell anybody. So this actually this group, the the PFLAG group that I just talked about, they're actually a group of parents that have all gone through the same situation. And uh, one of the people that were interviewed said they had to deal with all of this alone and they never want anyone to have to do that again. Like they don't want them to have to deal with what they had to deal with by themselves. So I think that's really amazing. Yeah. That's a good mission. It's a nice community too, too. I mean, it sucks that that's why you're tied to each other, but at least you're not alone and they help organize and they help take care of, you know, vigils and funeral information and things like that, that at this point in time, I can't even imagine trying to figure out myself, you know, if my child was hurt like this, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's worse than just regularly dying, I guess. Yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Fred's case could not be charged as a hate crime. This is what makes me so mad. Because the legal definition of hate crime does not apply to crimes based on the victim's gender identity or gender expression. <laughs> this is so, it, it just makes me so mad. And then actually, that's actually what happened in Matthew Shepard's case as well. Yeah. Um they were having a really hard time proving that it was a hate crime. Uh, they were trying to go with crime of passion, which I, I get this person was clearly crazy off his rocker. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It makes me really upset because hate crimes carry a different penalty. Absolutely. Than just, you know? Yeah. Anyway, though a judge actually did sentence Murphy to 40 years in prison in 2002, but he was just released on parole. At the age of 36, after only serving 17 years. Wow. Ridiculous. So (laughs) he's out there, like, living free. Did he show any remorse? I mean, do we know anything about the case or the trial? Um, I mean, it just kind of sounded like he was very... Like I told you, he was bragging to his friends. And when the news stories came out, one of his friends said that he basically used a derogatory term that I don't want to use, but said that oh man i killed him yeah. kind of a thing yeah so that's not cool nope well fred lived a complicated life she was a person of color she was navajo she was gay she was transgendered 
And it was easy to see why the news media would not want to cover her story. But her life mattered. And that's it. Absolutely. Well, it was a short one. It was a short one. And I'm really sad. I looked everywhere trying to find more information on this. But like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't covered. There wasn't information out there for me. Yeah, that's really wrong. Well, we're covering it and hopefully it'll maybe ignite some people to uh, look more into these things. And Right. And I will say like that. I told you I found a um, UCLA television archive video about it. And it was like a 15 minute long video. And of the 15 minutes, I would say maybe five of it was actually talked about Fred. The rest of it was the organizations and what mm. they are doing to help people. And yeah, and it's interesting and it's, it's great. I'm so glad. Unfortunately, it took that to make it happen in Colorado, but they are working really hard. There's actually an, um, an organization called Two Spirits from the Navajo people that they are getting together to help the LGBTQ youth in the Navajo reservation. So well, I good. think that's pretty cool that's too. Good. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the the world in general, I thought it was just the United States, but my story is about Canada, um, has really treated First Nation, whatever you want to call yeah. them, people very poorly. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's just a almost like a forgotten part of society that we just threw in the trash. I know. It's insane. And I mean, it obviously still happens. This story is pretty current. Yeah. All right. Well, my sources for this, I'm going to tell you tonight about, or today, this week, whatever. I screwed it up. I always do. <laughs> about Canadian residential schools. Has a strange ring to it, right? Kind of sounds cultish or club-like. Yeah. Is this like a like a boarding school, I'm assuming? It sure is. Yeah. Okay. My sources are, what do you think? Murderpedia? No. I don't know. Wikipedia. Of course. Okay. Wikipedia. (laughs) World Socialist website. Oh, my. Yeah. That sounds (laughs) dark web. Or WSWS.com and uh, an MSNBC article about the most recent events. Wait. So it's www.wsw.wsws. Did I forget an S? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) www.wsws.com. A lot of W's. Lots of W's. Lots of W's. Yeah. Um, all right. So first I'll tell you a little bit of history about these schools, which is strange. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. The Indian residential school system was a network of boarding schools, like you said, for the indigenous peoples of Canada. The system's origins lived in laws that were enacted before the Confederation. Do you know what the Confederation is? No, I'm sure you're going to tell me. I am, but I'm just in case you knew, because you know more than me. I mean, you're I much smarter. I think I do. But and you I'm know not about sure. Canada things. All I know about Canada is hockey and toques. <laughs> anyway, moose. The Confederation was the process of combining the three colonies of Canada, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, into the United Federation called the Dominion of Canada. Oh, man. That in 1867. Crazy. In the years since, Canada has seen numerous territorial changes and expansions to become the Canada we know today. You know, you know what I like to call Canada, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to our northern neighbors and listeners, but let's be honest here. They're basically America Junior. Right. Or as I like to say, America's hat. <laughs> or would it be America's toque? Probably toque. 
They're probably very upset with us for I'm even sorry, comparing Canadians. them to us. At we this have a in time. we have a loyal listener of both of our shows. Um, we do good friend Sandy from Canada. So no offense, I'm just joking. But seriously, if you look at the map, you're like our hat, our it's cute little hat. hat. It's a cute hat. It is a nice hat. It's a very large hat. It keeps our uh, it's northern a cold hat. It keeps us warm because we're in northern <laughs> United States now. So thank you, Canada. Yes, for your warmth and taking all the snow. Shouldn't we say, "Oh, Canada"? I don't no, think no. we should. No. Okay. <laughs> The school network was funded by the Canadian government's Department of Indian Affairs and was administered by Christian churches, primarily the Roman Catholic Church. Sounds good, right? Mm, Little government-funded private school action. Not bad, right? And then we threw the religion in there, too. That makes it even better. Yeah. Well, here's where things take a turn for the macabre. Oh. Do you like that? I do like that. That was good. I love it. The system was created to remove indigenous people from the influence of their own culture and to assimilate them into the dominant Canadian culture. This was also known as to kill the Indian child. Ew. <laughs> it's starting that to get gross, awful. right? awful. I mean, m- sorry. I no, go, to stop go right ahead. I, I mean, I know the history of California because that's what we learned in our youth. Yes. And they basically did that with the missions. They mm-hmm. would get the indigenous people to work in the missions and they would basically brainwash them into <laughs> becoming Christians. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of the same thing. Right. Yeah. At least they were kind, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. These ones, not so kind. Yeah. Over the more than 100 years that the schools were in existence, around 150,000 kids were placed into them nationally. So, throughout the entire hat. Yes. Holy cow. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Continue. Did you not miss this? No. um, It's not that I... It's not that I missed it or didn't miss it. I I don't know how many of our listeners um, have listened to or have read Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. It takes place in Nova Scotia. And there is a part of that that Anne makes friends with an indigenous girl. Mm -hmm. And the church sends her away to a school. Oh, here you go. A boarding school trying to say that they are going to help her be successful in society. Be more Canadian. But the whole entire time they are like beating her and trying to get her to completely denounce her indigenous way of life. Won't let her speak her native language. It was was an awful scene. But anyway. Okay, well, that was my story. And, and scene. Thanks, everybody, for <laughs> listening this week. <laughs> Seriously, that's it. I had no idea it was oh, portrayed wow. in a book. Yeah, well, Anne of Green Gables is, I mean, it's like historic fiction. Yeah. well, this It's, is, it's good. If anyone hasn't read it, read it. Clearly, so. that's how I missed this, because I have not read that book. Well, I didn't realize, I didn't connect <laughs> the dots. Yeah. Clearly. Well, by 1930, nearly 30% of indigenous children were believed to be attending these residential schools. Much like other institutions of the time, think like our state hospital down the street, mm-hmm. concentration camps, things like that. The schools were responsible for the estimated deaths of 3,200 to 6,000 kids. Wow. And they were all believed to be school related somehow. Now, the reason that's such a wide range um, is because of what I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Okay. Several of the deaths were undocumented. Well, yeah. The families weren't told about it. Nobody knows, right? Just like our uh, Danvers State Hospital down the way. Mm-hmm. The rough estimation is due to incomplete historical records. It is said that the schools were deliberately located in remote areas far from the children's families in order to completely remove them from any familiar, familial and familiar contact and access to their original cultures. Like you just said from the from the example from the book, they were trying to 
absolutely like kind of strip this part of their culture and life from them and may assimilate them into more Canadian capitalist ideals. Right. And it's exactly like what we talk about when we talk about cults. It's the first thing they do is remove you from your family and your friends and anything that you know yep. makes you dependent on them. Now you know why I moved you to Massachusetts. Hey, hey everyone, don't turn me in. <laughs> Furthermore, the schools significantly harm the indigenous children by completely removing them from their family, like no more contact, no nothing, depriving them of their ancestral languages, force them to speak Canadian. English. Would it be French, French or English? It was a mix of everything. Mostly yeah. French, though. And exposing many of them to physical and sexual abuse. Ugh. The Ugh. kids were also subjected to forced enfranchisement. Yeah. Which assimilated citizens, um, which essentially removed them from their legal identity as Indians. Yeah, they gave them new names. Yeah. Right. In addition to the issues I've already mentioned, students were known to be malnourished and generally treated poorly, similarly to a work camp or concentration camp, like I also mentioned, mm -hmm. which likely led to the countless deaths associated with this system. I'm using air quotes here because this sounds like a, you know, I, I'm sure they sold it as we're going to send you this fun, government funded school. It's going to be oh, great. Oh, yeah, it's exactly. And yeah. it, uh, not so much. Harsh discipline and corporal punishment were the norm. Conditions that would never be tolerated in traditional Canadian schools. No. It's really quite sad. You know, I, can you imagine sending our kids to something like this, thinking it's going to be good? Oh, I know. Um, you know, it, in doing this research, it sounded very Hunger Games-like or Handmaid's Tale. They're sending these kids away to these things to just basically abuse them. To brainwash use them. them. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Well, the system, I hate to report, um, ultimately worked, and the, uh, the Canadian government intended it to, and it successfully disrupted the transmission of indigenous practices and beliefs across generations. Yikes. The legacy of the system can still be felt today as, as it has been linked to an increased prevalence of PTSD, alcoholism, substance abuse, and suicide that still persist within indigenous communities. Yikes. Awful. That's kind of what I said at the beginning of my story here is that we, we don't do anything for these people. I know. They're portrayed negatively in movies, or at least they used to be. Yeah, I wouldn't say so much anymore. Not so much anymore, but I mean, you know, just they were always the weird drunk Indian or something, you know, and it's like, yeah, we really did nothing for these or people. Like the old Westerns, were, you know? You know, for lack of a better term, they were here before us. <laughs> yeah. We should have treated them were. much better. I don't know. It kind well, of makes me it, upset. You know, what also makes me upset too is we just talked about this in our other podcast. We have, you know, Black History Month and we celebrate Pride Month and, you know, whatever. We have Indigenous People's Day. Sort of. It's still Columbus Day. I know. In a lot well, of places, some people still call it you know? Columbus Day. But yeah, I mean, I would love to know about the amazing people in the history of Indigenous people. Yeah. I, I hear you. I think that would be really cool. Anyway. In 2008, Prime Minister Stephen Harper offered a public apology on behalf of the Canadian government and the leaders of the other federal parties in the House of Commons. They got some cool old-timey stuff in Canada. Nine days before that, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, or the TRC, was established to uncover the truth about what really went on at the schools. The TRC has gathered about 7,000 statements from school survivors through public and private meetings throughout the country. And these meetings and, uh, you know, testimonies really spoke to the true conditions that the students and survivors endured. And it's really sad and gross. And I'm going to give a trigger warning here in a little bit. Mm -mm. Just FYI. 
in 2015, the TRC concluded their kind of, you know, expose, and uh, they wrote a report with the National Center of Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, it's a multi-volume report that they public um, publicized. No, published. Published. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm looking at the word publication, and then I said publicized. But I'm, what I'm really looking for is published. That's right. Yeah. Published. So multi-volume report that was published that detailed all these testimonies um, and historical documents from the time that they've been able to find. The report, as you can imagine, revealed that the school system amounted to what's basically a cultural genocide. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a, there's a ton on Wikipedia. If you want to read it, I suggest it. You can just search, um, you know, Canadian residential schools. Much more history, stuff I didn't get into or we'd be here all night. So I'm going to jump to the current events. And when I say current, I mean like less than a week. Oh, a, wow. ma- a mass grave site with 215 bodies was discovered at the now closed Kamploos Indian Residential School in Kamploos, British Columbia. The horrifying find is more evidence of the senseless brutality and inhumanity of the system we've already been mentioning. Ugh. 250 dead kids that nobody documented did anything with. Ugh. That's awful. The bodies um, found to date, that tells me that there's probably going to be more. Mm. Some appeared to be as young as three years old at the time of death. Oh, sweet babies. Um, And they were identified through ground penetrating radar. I didn't even know that was a thing. Kind of cool. Their deaths were never documented per a preliminary report written about the site, which also suspects that even more bodies could be found over time there and at other sites. Yeah, I can imagine. The native leaders in Kamploos area feel this mass grave could be just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to finding more undocumented children. The Kamploos school was the largest and longest running in the country. It opened in 1890 and was run by the Roman Catholic Church until 1969, when it was then taken over by the federal government, who continued to operate it until 1978. Wow, really? Yeah. Holy cow. Right. Over the years, survivors from this school have told horrific tales of its conditions and the treatment of the students. You ready for your trigger warning? Yes. One survivor recalls a young girl who had become pregnant from a priest. When she gave birth to her baby, a nun took it from her, wrapped it in a pink blanket, then went down to the basement and just tossed it into an incinerator. (gasps) The survivor told the tale because he was working in the area that he could just hear like a brief cry and... Oh, stop. Oh, my God. That, oh. So we have that going on as well as the ones buried. Mm. These numbers must be astronomical. I mean, if this is going on in addition to the ones they buried, how many people really died there? I don't even want to know. Now, Canadian lawmakers and First Nation groups are pressuring the government to examine all resident schools across Canada to search for more unmarked graves based on this find in British Columbia. In closing, I just want to drive the point home with these numbers one more time. There were over 150 schools in operation for more than 100 years. During that time, an estimated 150,000 children from the First Nations, Metis, and Inuit were required to attend. This wasn't like an optional thing. They were required to attend. Many never made it home. Based on those enormous numbers... If the government actually commits to uh, more searching for unidentified graves, the total number of dead is going to be just epic proportions. This 6,000 that I mentioned earlier is going to be blown out of the water. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Wasn't that close to the Holocaust numbers? 
6,000? Or am I way off? Oh, not way off. 6 million. Oh, 6 million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was 6 something. It was in the millions. I, I Sorry. Crazy. Yeah. Which this won't get that high, obviously. It was just children and the total number was around 150,000 plus or minus. But Crazy. It could be, you know, north of 50,000 maybe. I mean, who knows? I don't wow. even know how many survivors they've documented or found. So, uh, yeah, that's my story. Sad, right? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. We had some pretty awful stories tonight. We did. Sorry, everyone. But they're important to tell. Yeah, they are because someone's got to do it. And, uh, you know, like I said in the beginning, I've really learned a lot from this show by reading things. And I didn't even know this happened. I didn't even, ignorantly, I'm going to put myself on a limb here. I didn't even know about the Indian population or or indigenous people's population in Canada. Never even crossed my mind because I don't I live there. I'm not Canadian. Don't care. Well, there's that, you know? but we, <laughs> don't, should. we don't get taught about it. No, we don't. And you It's know. not something that we're taught about and it's it's sad. So spread the word. Yeah, hopefully this show tell, helps tell you the story. Uh, open your mind as well and look yeah. at things you never thought were out there. I feel terrible that my story wasn't longer. I wished I could find more information, but yeah. it wasn't there. Well, so, yeah. well, at least we told our part. We did. And this will continue to develop. So probably in future shows, I'll develop, or I will uh, develop. Update. Wow. Update with um, numbers. And it's unfortunately, it's going to be bigger. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, if you would like any more information about these cases, pictures, we'll definitely put the update um, about Molly Bish up there on our social media. So please make sure to follow us at How Did We Miss That? And until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other. 